Introducing to you uh, really not just one person, but actually two. It's an exceptional meeting here where we are meeting not only Dr. C.S. Lakshmi, uh, who's been working on women's history for a long, long time, but also one of the most famous Tamil writers in the world. It's actually really true. It's not flattery. I said, you know, you said the other thing. It was it's really true. Uh, you can see um, her many publications, some of them over there. Um, Dr. Lakshmi writes under the pen name Ambai in Tamil, and much of her, many of her short stories have been translated into English. There's a whole array of publications that came out. The latest anthology is being published by Penguin. The one before came out two years ago uh, in A Forest of Deer by OUP. Qatar has done a collection, um, and there's an earlier one. Those are the Tamil publications. Uh, and you've been writing short stories for a long, long time. Probably if Siragogal Murium is the first one published, that was 67? No, that's when you wrote it, right? 76. 76, okay. So for what, 30 years, over 30 years. And uh, well, in your capacity as Dr. Lakshmi, uh, you're a historian of many things, of women's history. You're the founding director of uh, the Sound and Picture Archives for Research on Women in uh, Mumbai, which was founded in uh, 1988, and this is really what you will be talking to us about today. So uh, let us all welcome Dr. Lakshmi from Mumbai. Uh, thank you, Sasha, for such a nice uh, introduction. I'm, I'm a storyteller, so for me, even when I talk about Sparrow, it's like telling the story of Sparrow. I'll uh, give a small introduction, and then I'll show you two PowerPoint presentations, and then I'll again talk to you about the uh, details of how this happened. Actually, I did my PhD in American Studies from Jalanir University. And uh, even when I submitted my dissertation, I knew that I'll never teach American history. Basically because the politics of teaching American history was uh, very different and I applied for a postdoctoral fellowship to do work on uh, women writers in Tamar because I wrote in Tamar and I write in Tamar. So I had a postdoctoral fellowship for two years and uh, at that time uh, women's studies as a subject had not happened. So when I took up uh, this subject of writing about women writers, there was uh, generally a notion that, did she get a better subject to study? I mean, didn't you have anything else that you could talk about? I mean, why women writers? What have women done, you know, that you should write about them? And basically, my study was about uh, popular journals and how women write in popular journals and why they write what they write. So for that I had to um, really know who these writers were. I wanted to find out where they lived, what they did and what are their ideas and why did they write some stories uh, which uh, seemed to me very inane, some of the current stories and what did the earlier writers write. So. Um, 
I thought that it'll be possible only if I went and met the writers and I talked to them. And uh, this methodology of going and talking to people and getting um, to know about their life and the context of their work was not something that was uh, accepted in 1974. And uh, because there was a very strict uh, idea of what is considered uh, proper material for doing research. Uh, government documents and uh, those kind of materials were considered hard material. And what uh, women wrote or women spoke or letters or diaries, those kind of things were considered soft material. So even while I was collecting the writings of women and other things, Everyone told me, that, but these are secondary material. But I said, but I'm working on women writers. So for me, these are primary material. You see, this can't be secondary material. So during the course of that book, I'd started uh, talking to women. And uh, I went through this uh, very crazy phase where I felt that uh, every woman I met on the road, I have to interview her and I have to know about her life. Because I felt every woman had a story to tell. Because I was so much interested in what is called this uh, politics of everyday life, how decisions are taken, <coughs> how people decide to do certain things. Uh, what do they do when they want to educate their daughters? Or when the daughter says she doesn't want an arranged marriage, what do parents do? What do mothers do? What role does the mother play? Those kind of things. So um, I completed the book and uh, it came out uh, as a book later in 81. I submitted the uh, dissertation to Tamil Nadu archives, which had given me uh, the uh, fellowship. And I'd used a style of writing which is not considered academic because I'd used uh, jokes in the uh, magazines and other things and I'd illustrated how they look at women and things like that. So the, the manuscript went to a very important historian in Madras University who said that uh, this is a non-serious book and uh, it can't be considered important because it has uh, also a lot of humor in it. <laughs> and, uh, so it's not an important book. And they had rejected uh, the uh, manuscript. Fortunately, because bureaucracy in India functions in certain ways, the letter that they wrote saying that uh, my project was rejected, it never reached me. <laughs> because they never posted it, you see. It stayed in the dispatch department, it never came to me. I didn't know about it. So I thought that I've submitted the project and I started looking for uh, publishers. And uh, so when it went to the first uh, publisher, he sent it here very well-known historian uh, in Delhi, who later became my friend. And he sent it to her, and uh, she wrote a comment that uh, this is a book on a very local history, which equals about Tamil writers. It has nothing to do with the whole of India. So it should not be published. So later, it was a 
another uh, publisher, Vikas, who saw the manuscript and said that we would like to publish it. And before it was published, I came to uh, Bombay and I, I was teaching for two years in Delhi and then I came to Bombay and I was... I went to the SNDT Women's University and uh, just then the Women's Studies Research Unit for Women's Studies was established there and I went to see the head of the department who later is one of the trustees of Sparrow, which is why I should tell the story. So she saw my manuscript and she told me that, uh, you know, who is interested in Tamil writers? She said, I noticed that you're very, uh, you worked very hard on this manuscript and it had not been published as a book. But she said that I don't see any place for you in my unit. I don't think that I can give you a job here. Because we are dealing with uh, all India here, you know. Although she was uh, from Gujarat and a lot of her work had to do with Gujarat, but that was considered national. But uh, working on Tamil writers and Tamil women was considered local. So I didn't say anything, but every now and then I would get a call from her saying that, you know, you're good at doing interviews. We are doing this project on um, All India Radio. Would you like to come and interview some women? So then I would ask her, so how much would you pay for that? So once she told me that, uh, including travel and other things, we'll pay you 16 rupees per interview. So I told her, how many interviews will I have to do? She said, 10 interviews. So I told her, Dr. Nina, this, I'll do it free for you, you know, because I don't want to be underpaid. So I'll do it free for you. you know? And I did it free for her. And uh, so it was uh, very difficult to convince people that the kind of material I had collected and the kind of methodology I had used was valid for uh, women's studies. But within a matter of uh, three or four years, People had started thinking about these kind of materials, about diaries and letters, and which had started uh, collecting. And uh, Dr. Nira Desai herself ventured into this field and started interviewing women in the women's movement, which later Sparrow published, which uh, I helped her to edit it. And uh, so at that time, uh, it, this was also the time that the Forum Against Women's Oppression was formed in uh, Bombay and uh, the entire Mathura rape case and other things had come up. And at the time, uh, myself and uh, Dr. Maitri Krishnarath, who is another trustee, we formed a small group called Reaching Out and we started uh, bringing out uh, feminist calendars, posters, and diaries. And at the time, the um, SNIT University was approached by Ford Foundation to set up a women's archive, about which I had already talked to Dr. Neera this, and I told her that we should somehow put all this material together, because I had a very close uh, friend who was an American historian called uh, Professor Geraldine Forbes who was also collecting similar material like me. 
And we always said that it should all be kept somewhere, you know, so that it can be used. And uh, so I had approached Neera Desai because uh, she was head of the Department of Sociology and this Women's Studies Center. So when the Ford uh, Foundation approached them, they had a meeting and there were several historians and several other uh, librarians who had come. So I said that there is uh, not a single women's archives in uh, India and uh, probably in the whole of South Asia. So we should set up a women's archives that will collect this variety of materials. And uh, then I said that there is a lot of material uh, in Tamil Nadu itself, which uh, is going to go waste if nobody collects it. And uh, so they heard me out and at the end of it, they said that actually we really don't care for material lying in Tamil Nadu. So if there's so much interest in collecting the Tamil Nadu material, you go and set up the archives in Tamil Nadu. You should not be doing it Maharashtra. And uh, later, uh, the vice chancellor of the university called me because I had written out a blueprint of what this archives is going to be and how it is going to be national and not uh, something that's local. It's not going to collect something only from Maharashtra. It's going to collect from everywhere. And I would made this point that everything national need not be in Delhi. Mm -hmm. And the time has come to shift the center because we collect in some eight languages. And the Vice-Chancellor called me and she told me that, uh, she asked me, where did you meet Neera uh, Desai? Did you meet her in Trivandrum? Because she thought I was from Kerala. Because I had this Chitur before my name. So I told her, no, I met Neera Desai in Bombay. So she said, you live in Bombay? I said, yes, I live in Bombay. She said that, you know, you have done this book on uh, women in Tamil Nadu and then why, why are you living in uh, Bombay? I said that, you know, Indians can live anywhere. <laughs> I don't have to get somebody's permission to come and live in Bombay. So then she said, you know what you do? You give me this blueprint and then we'll set up the archives, you know. I said, you make your own blueprint, you know. I'm not giving you mine. So I took it back. And uh, so SNDT University ended up not setting up the women's archive because there was nobody to set it up for them. And then, uh, by then, Anira Desai was going to retire. And Maitri Krishnaraj was going to become the director. So then I approached Anira Desai and I told her that. Uh, you know, why can't we set up an autonomous body which will be this women's archives, you know? So then she agreed, but she made a condition. She told me that I'll lend you the name and I'll, Maitri Krishnaj will also lend the name, but you have to do all the work because we can't be raising funds for you, which is true. But they were retiring and uh, Maitri Krishna was going to become director, which is a lot of work. And Neera Desai was planning to write books and also she said, look, I'm not going to raise funds for this uh, archives. But i lend you my name because she's called the grandmother of women's studies in uh, India and she is actually the grandmother of women's studies, a wonderful scholar. And uh, then I told her, okay, you lend me your name 
and then I'll see what I can do. So uh, we, uh, from this reaching out calendars, we had saved about uh, 3,000 to 4,000 rupees. With that, we printed the letterheads, which was, uh, the logo was designed by a friend of mine, free of charge. And uh, Nita Bins said that, you know, we have hardly started. Is it necessary to have such a nice letterhead? You know, at that time, it was generally the feeling that whatever came out of the women's movement had to be very rough hewn, you know. Mm -hmm. They had to look very poor. 